Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. Victor Davila is the guest on this episode, and he and Nick talk about design, illustration, marketing, and much more. Victor is currently an assistant professor at the University of Central Florida and also involved in keeping the design community flourishing in Orlando. Enjoy. They might be giants on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. Victor, let's test out your mic, won't you? Oh, see, that's not the right mic. Try it again. Man. All right, last one. Testing one, That's two. the one. <laughs> that is it. We found it. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. I'm going to cut all that out of the podcast. Okay. Version. Yeah. <laughs> don't great. worry about that. I uh, like the little mistakes. It makes it kind of like real, you know, a little more human. Exactly. Are you saying uh, I'm not human? I'm saying you're very human and it just showed you are. <laughs> uh, okay. Good, good, good. That was a good comeback. Thank you. Uh, Victor Davila or Davila? Davila. Davila. My, it's Davila. My wife and kids say Davila, but it's in some, but it's supposedly Davila. Yeah. Davila. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. My my last name is uh, relatively hard to pronounce. How do you pronounce your last name? Jurgudio. Jurgudio. Yeah. So we always call you Rollins Nick. That's how Rollins, Nick. Rollins Nick is. Everybody knows what we're talking about. Nick G. I get a lot. Yeah, Nick G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a, a friend of mine who used to work at WUCF, and he was trying to give me a DJ name. And so he came up with Nick Curious Jurgudio. And I was like, <laughs> no. That's not, no. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. That's not going to work at all. <laughs> Victor Davila is here. Thank you very much for coming out. So Thanks for having me. Morning. Good morning. Uh, Victor is, uh, basically, you you run the gamut, right? I mean, from a graphic design standpoint, illustrator, designer, uh, teacher, uh, which I right. definitely want to talk about in terms of how you do that and, uh, you know, those sorts of things. So, uh, and we've been talking already for about half an hour, right. so... Uh, probably won't have anything left to talk about Hopefully on the air. Hopefully get all the good stuff out of the way. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. in our exactly. banter. So I played They Might Be Giants. Uh, that was E Eats Everything, which is from there. Here come the ABC. So it reminded me a little bit, if you follow Victor on Instagram, uh, your website, victordavila.com. Right. We'll spell that for people if they want to <laughs> know what that is. Uh, I've also uh, tweeted it and put it on Instagram this week as well. Uh, you do a lot of illustrations, and one of them was the characterizations of the letters, which I thought was really cool. Right. So that started as a project. I did a um, a workshop at Creative South this past April, and that was leading up. I kind of took a break from it. I hope to kind of continue. I'm on the letter N right now. But that was a project as to how to take things that you start in your sketchbook and take it into completion as something interesting, like an, an interesting passion project. So what I did is I combined my love for typography and illustration, so um, and also, I like a lot of kids stuff. I like a lot of like, you know, fun characters. Right. So that was just kind of like a little passion project to do that kind of thing with. Very cool. So, so there's a little bit of that up there and uh, you're going to finish it up. What are you going to do with it? Are you I'm going to go all the way, or? all the way down to Z and then through the numbers. And then I've been talking to a couple of friends. They've had suggestions as to where to take it. Yeah. Um, children's book or something like that. Like a, a website, friend. interactive website exactly. or, app or something like that. Exactly. Because nice. it's got a lot of good responses. So it's it seems like people yeah. are reacting to it. So I might as well take it to somewhere past Instagram or the socials. Well, let me know when you get to T because I wanted to do the uh, initials of my show. I, I saw that. that yeah. I, I, I stole another one of your <laughs> illustrations <laughs> to do that. It worked out, but I will definitely hook you up with that. That's, All right. Very good. Well, let's get to know you a little bit better. We're going to play a game. It's 20 questions. Get okay. you warmed up, even though you already are. I mean, you're right. professional. You're a pro. I'm a pro, yeah. You're a pro. It's very early. You're yeah. a father. You're, a f- you're incredibly tired all the time. Even if you weren't up, right. you're probably tired all the time. 
Uh, you just got done with your semester, so they, they keep scheduling the 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 classes really early in the morning. So yeah. I'm kind of used to that. So because students love that, designers love that in general. Oh my yeah. gosh, they yeah. love it so much. <laughs> That's where we well, because then they're going to be up the rest of the night, and <laughs> then they just come to class. <laughs> Pretty much, exactly. Yeah, why even go to sleep? Okay, so 20 questions. 20 questions. It's almost like a word association game, but a little bit different. What you're going to say are two things, uh, but not yes or no, not up or down. Every week we play a little bit differently. This week is leaps or bounds. Leaps or bounds, okay. So leaps is good. Jumping, what could be better? You jump to conclusions. That's always a good thing. Uh, you make the leap. You look before you leap. All of that's good. So okay. if you're, you're for something, you say leap. Uh, bound, who okay. likes to be bound? I mean, sometimes, maybe, <laughs> on occasion. Whatever you're into. You bounding know, around, <laughs> being bound. Okay, so leaps or bounds? Leaps or bound. Leaps, leaps is good. Bounds is bad. Yeah. So uh, still kind of Easter season. You could probably still find some of these on sale somewhere. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about Cadbury eggs? Leaps or bounds? I'm going to go for a leap on that one. Um, really? Yeah, just because I haven't had it in years. So I can't really make an educated um, answer to that. But, but your a, memory was positive. I have a really bad sweet tooth. Like I love yeah. chocolate. I'll eat whatever has chocolate in it. So I probably won't like it, but I'll eat it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the best answer. All right. So, yeah. That's good. How about voicemail? Um, bound. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer, I mean, I'll listen to it when I have to. And, uh, but I prefer like a text just because sometimes the voicemails get wordy and they break in and out. So it's, you know, I'll go bound. Well, and they're often giving you information you don't want. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't want to listen to that. I'm not going to listen to that. And it's funny because in my UCF number that I have now, I don't know. If I, I'm not going to give it out on the air. Oh, but, please don't. But, um, but it's, what's your address, by the way? <laughs> it's my social security. <laughs> um, it's It used to be like a, a the number to like athletics or tickets. So if you call me like at work, I, my voicemail actually says, if you're trying to reach athletics, you have to go to this number because I'm a UCF, you know, uh, professor, professor if you yeah. want a visual arts question then this is where you're at but most of the time i get people asking me voicemail for like um i need tickets to the ohio game how do i do that like i don't and sometimes i just pick it up and say yeah you have to call these people this department so nice. that's brought me down in voicemail as well so because it's usually not for me visual arts and sports i feel like is <laughs> right there on right. your radar it, pretty much yeah uh colonizing mars leaps or bounds oh, leaps yeah you want to yeah. go I, I, I'd like to go, yeah. Oh, okay. I'd like to go. I, I'll start with the, the first uh, design chapter up there. I don't know. I, I think it has a lot of potential. AIGA, AIGA, March. AIGA, yeah. AIGA, yeah, Mars, AIGA. So um, <laughs> I'm off board that. I think exploration is a great thing. You know, you try something new. Well, so and leaps. you know what? They're going to need some design stuff. They're going to need user interface is important. It's an untapped resource in, yeah. as far as the design community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a good, that's a good call. Uh, so you are a bit on social media. You do a little bit of Instagram. I do. That's probably the one I do the most. Um, a little bit of Tumblr and some Twitter. I haven't done it as much as I right. used to, but some Twitter. Yeah. And it makes sense for a designer to be on something like Instagram. And I like it because you're, you don't have the links and stuff, but Instagram, uh, what I read about were kids who have Instagram accounts mm -hmm. actually curating their accounts so that if something doesn't get a good response or it doesn't get enough likes, it doesn't get enough comments, uh, they take it off. Right. How do you feel about that? Was is that something you would do at some point? I think it's a dangerous thing as a designer, really, because what happens is that then we're just catering to those likes. Right. You know, it's just like we're putting things out there just for the sake of liking and not for any thought or concept behind it. We're just 
going with trends or whatever. So I think that's kind of dangerous. Um, trying to get a reaction. Ex- exactly. So there's really no no um, no thought behind it other than that, other than what's the what's what's going to be popular with my uh, clientele or whatever. So from a from a design standpoint, would you like to look at a designer's Instagram and kind of see some evolution over time and maybe see what they've worked on in the past? I'd like to see some variety. I know yeah. that most most um, designers and artists have some a certain style right now. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, um, regardless of what that style is, I like to see what thought behind it is other than everybody's doing like this type of illustration right now. So I'm going to do my own. Right. And I think if you look at the dribble accounts, if you look at the Instagrams and things like that, you'll start seeing a lot of trends. And it seems like for the most part, a lot of designers are trying to one up each other. And I think the really, the ones that really stand out are the ones that are exploring or the ones that are trying to do something new, whether it's lettering or illustration or, 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 um, print or UI UX or whatever. It's the ones that are actually trying to solve problems and have some thought behind it other than, you know, here's my, here's the latest trend and I'm drawing. And yeah, I think yeah, I'm keeping up with everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's this pop culture thing that everybody likes, so I'm just drawing my version. And that's fine. I've done it too. Not not to sure. say anything against that, but there's a rabbit hole that I think we can fall into where um, then it just becomes about kind of like one-upping each other or just kind of falling into this trend that doesn't allow you to grow. So it becomes a little bit of, a, just like anything else, it's a little bit of your portfolio or a little bit of you out there that people are seeing. Exactly. Because yeah. I know a lot of people like, uh, the conversation we have with the students every semester is about portfolios is, you know, how, how to get jobs. Obviously, you know, they're mm-hmm. interested in getting a, a job straight out of college. And, um, and a lot of times what I've heard from people, um, who are hiring is sometimes they've, they've, by the time they get to the face to face interview, they've already seen your work. So they don't even, they don't even require your portfolio. So they've gone through your dribble. They've gone through all that stuff. So it's very important to put a very, uh, to, to put a good foot out there. And that means, you know, being careful with what you uh, put in your social medias. You know, I've known people who, who have not gotten jobs because there's something a little bit dodgy, a little bit not quite, um, not acceptable is the wrong word, but something that doesn't kind of like chime in or tie in with the, with the, with the company that they're trying to apply mm-hmm. for. And it's kind of like taking their chances of being hired in that company. So you have to be careful with what you put out there. And maybe that's having a separate account for your personal stuff and having a separate account for your design work. So, now they'll still find you on the personal account. Yeah, we can lock it though. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, leaps or bounds zombies. In theory, I would go leap. In reality, I'd definitely say bound. <laughs> <laughs> I like a good zombie movie, I guess. But yeah, you know, the whole eating of the brain and in, in reality, I probably wouldn't be so fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't survive long. I, I don't think that's something yeah, for me. If the zombie apocalypse comes, I'd be kind of screwed because, you know, I wouldn't know how to, it'd be, there'd be no publics to go to to get your food. Then you're kind of like fending for yourselves. I think I'm kind of. Right. I'm then, fine. then your Instagram becomes very competitive, <laughs> exactly. very competitive in terms of what you're doing and who you are exactly. and, and stuff like that. That's good. Uh, okay. How about coffee? I don't drink coffee, so I'd be a bound. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You've never had coffee or you just it never developed the flavor for it? I never had quite a taste for it. For it. Yeah, yeah. It's never been a, a thing I have. And, um, I've just never drank it. I know I, all my friends do, my family does, and that's fine, but it's not something I've ever kind of like, I'm going to go have coffee. And the few times that I've had, I'm, as you might notice already, I'm kind of jittery already. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like a jittery guy. And um, so I cut caffeine off altogether like uh, several years ago. So I don't drink, I don't drink soda. You were doing soda and stuff, but not Yeah, coffee, and I was staying but... up to like three o'clock, just kind of like, you know, um, yeah, yeah, jittery. Yeah. And um, so, so I, you produce your own. Pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I have my own electrical source and energy source. So um, I just, <laughs> I've not really acquired a taste for it. All right. 
How about uh, driverless cars, leaps or bounds? You know what? I think I'm going to go for a leap. It's in the same vein as the as the Mars thing. I I think if they perfect it, I'd probably safer in some ways than some of the drivers out there. So I'm going to go for um, a leap on driverless cars. I don't know about a. I don't feel the same way about like um, the Jetsons cars. I always feel that the Jetsons, like if your people are flying around, that might be a bad idea because they crash. A little and more they, dangerous. They have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always had this vision of you know the Jetsons cartoons. They had the buildings on the stilts. Yeah, you know that that's all they ever showed, but they never showed the ground. And I always had this vision well, of was... like the ground because that's all where all the crash cars were at the bottom. Oh. Like where George would crash and people would. So I always felt like it was the Flintstones were down there. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. 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 So the Jetsons were up top, the Flintstones, and they were like keeping the, uh, the Neanderthal man down. That makes so and much they sense. they were up there in the future, kind of lording it over them. That was the part that you never saw. That's, that makes so much sense. Because he was making all these sprockets. Yeah. Why was he making all these sprockets? To keep the Flintstones down. <laughs> Why do you need all those sprockets anyway? I, I feel like my childhood has like opened up all of a sudden yeah, just yeah, because yeah. Of, with understanding. You're welcome. Thank you. That's Thank what you. we're here for. That's why we do this. <laughs> that is why we do this. How do you feel about theme parks? Leaps or bounds? So you've been here for a while, right? You've I grew in up Orlando in Orlando, yeah. yeah. So I've been here since I was three years ago. I'm going to go for a leap on that one as well, just because I love a good theme park. And there's other theme parks. So I've been spoiled by Disney and the Universal stuff in the sense that I go to other theme parks that are not those. And um, and they don't have quite the same care to it. You know, right. you, you go to Disney, everything's so manicured, everything's so thought out. The people over there are amazing in that. And Universal as well. Well, Universal has to be because they're right by Disney. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, the whole, you know, every time they have a theme like Harry Potter or whatever, it's just well thought out and well executed. And now I go to other theme parks and and uh, they don't push that idea all the way through. But I like a good theme park. I like the fact that you can go and kind of escape. I think the Magic Kingdom is one of those where I think the Magic Kingdom, you feel a certain sense of magic. Maybe it's just because I grew up there and a bit, a bit of a Disney file um, that some of the other parks might not have. But I, I, I love me a good theme park. I don't even good. bother with the ride so much. I just like the fact that, that it's a concept going back to this idea that it started with you know, probably didn't start with one man. It started with a group of people that had an idea and they pushed it out. So I think being able to see that come to fruition, I think it's an amazing thing. And so I'm all for the theme park. Yeah. Nice. All right. So we were talking about typography. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about design. What about cursive? So they've started, like, I don't think my kids actually no. learned it, but they've started pushing it again in some areas. So New York state's looking at it like actually requiring the kids learn it. There's a couple of other states that still require it. You know, I've asked um, my kids' teachers a few times as, as to the cursive thing, because you go into some classrooms and they still have the thing in the top of the, mm -hmm. you know, of the room with cursive up there. And they're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to teach it at some point. And I don't think they ever have. And the kids, my kids, uh, would ask me about cursive and things like that. But I don't know if they've ever actually done it in class. And I'm... Right. I'm leap for cursive by the way okay so that would be a leap um because i think there's a certain beauty to it i, I love lettering um and there's a lot of people that do great lettering and it's all with the foundations of cursive so i think i don't i don't see why you wouldn't keep it up i know everybody's like you know like writing with their thumbs nowadays but um but i, I think there's a certain beauty to cursive that needs to be kept all right yeah. very good sandwiches leaps or bounds leaps i'm doing a lot of leaps but i love me a good That's sandwich fine. what's your favorite you know um there's a uh, 
my a friend of mine here in town, his name's Biggie. He has um he he's he's like this connoisseur of sandwiches. He has oh, like sure. a, yeah, yeah. You know, Biggie. He yeah. has like the um the, the, the design company, the yeah, sandwich the, related uh, shirts sure. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I went out with him um a couple of weeks ago with him and Mike Jones to Pom Poms and he had a um, he introduced me to the uh the turkey one, the, oh, the Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving one, which yeah, is yeah, amazing. Yeah. I can't remember the exact name, but he has a signature sandwich over there. And I am uh, unfortunately I don't remember the name of that either. So if he's listening, maybe you can chime in at some point. Um, but it's, it was delicious. So whatever that sandwich was that Biggie designed was delicious. Perfect. And then the, the Thanksgiving one at pom poms was nice. just like really good stuff. So growing up in Orlando, you mm-hmm. have access to the beaches. How do you feel about the beach in general? I like the beach. Um, it's funny. I was talking to my sisters about this recently. I, I'm, I'm a very textured guy and I like going to the beach. I'm not fond of like sand in your, you know, orifices or whatever. Um, but I do like the beach. I prefer the beaches that, um, we go with the family, we go to the, to the West coast a lot with like the mm-hmm. St. Um, St. Pete's just because it's a little bit, you know, you, there's no driving over there. Calmer. and It's a little yeah. bit calmer. Exactly. So, um, so I do like going with the family to the beach and playing on the beach, running on the beach, that kind of thing. So, so back to the leaps. Right. I feel like I need a bound though. All right. Well, like, let's try this one. How about the French election? <laughs> How'd you feel about that? I, the, and do you know who won? Um, yeah, the my, my, Macron, Macron, Macron yeah. one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think because his name sounds like macaron, <laughs> because everyone was thinking, "I want one of those cookies." So that was brilliant. Yeah, it was. So next time, if you want to win, I think the lesson from this is: if you want to win your election, Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever, just be named after a dessert, or it sounds like similar to a dessert. I mean, we're in marketing, right? You and I. Yes. So you're getting advice from people who are obviously experts at elections and everything related to uh, marketing and trends. But his opponent, wasn't she like LePage, LePage? Le Pen. Le Pen. Marine Le Pen. Which is something a little bit more designy. So I feel like if we're going by the whole... But which would you rather have, a pen or a cookie? Oh, see, that's the, that's a tough one though. Yeah, I, yeah, I love sweet me tooth. a good pen. Yeah, I love me a good pen. So um, come on, sweet tooth. But the sweet tooth, I wouldn't <laughs> have to go with the dessert. Yeah, and it's it's marine le pen, so it's it's one that you can only use on a boat, like an underwater pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has its perks as well. Uh, okay, so, you're yeah. really all of a sudden you're really into this. Okay, <laughs> drawing underwater. How about uh, so this is kind of a design thing? Tiny houses. Um, I don't know. Or bounds. I like the idea of a tiny house. I like the idea of like trimming down into like all your basics that you wouldn't necessarily need. And some of them are like really, really well designed. I don't know if I could live in one just because the kids, um, you know, would out, we would outgrow it like really, really quickly. No, each, each person would have their own. So you'd have four tiny houses on your property. Oh, then d- definitely leap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your own like bathroom shower and yeah, hot yeah, water yeah. heater. Yeah, yeah. Then definitely I'm off of that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely leap. Yeah. We just summed up uh, being a parent right there. <laughs> Everybody gets their own tiny house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm for it. That would be amazing, actually. All right. One last one. Sure. And then I've got a, uh, a question from a past guest for you as well. Uh, cobbler leaps or bounds. So I know you have a sweet tooth, but not everybody's into cobbler. Oh, I thought you meant like the, the people that make the, the, shoes. Make the shoes. Yeah. No, they're no. super creepy. A cobbler like uh, like the dessert? Yeah. I'd probably say bound. Oh, okay. Because it's not chocolate. Because it's not chocolate. Isn't a cobbler traditionally made out of fruit? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have peach cobbler yeah. or fruit cobbler oh, of some uh, kind. I don't know if this is weird or not, but I don't, I, I love fruit. 
Yeah. I don't like things made out, with the exception of like a smoothie. I love me a good smoothie, but I don't like things made out of fruit. Like I'm not into the apple pies or the anything, anything peach or anything like that. What about an edible arrangement? Are you okay with that? Because that's the actual fruit. Yeah. Yeah. On absolutely. A stick. Well, I'm just wondering if the delivery method. No, the, it's it's more kind of like when you mix it in and it changes the texture. So I love bananas, and but I don't like banana, whatever. Pudding. Mix, pudding. Yeah. No. Okay. No. I remember going to the King Kong ride and at the end there was like, you're so close to King Kong, you can even smell his breath and they put out that scent of banana and it always kind of like grossed me out a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> like in the Universal ride. Oh but it was amazing because really it was do. so well thought out going back to like the... Oh uh, my gosh. Yeah. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to I don't want to hear him chewing. Okay. So you got to pick green or pink. I'm going to go for this one. Okay. And you're going to answer the last question on there and read it out loud. And while you're looking at that, consider it first. Uh, basically what I'm going to tell people is, uh, they can go to, to a certain degree.com and I'll have links to your Instagram and to, uh, your home on Google maps and all sorts of things. So you can learn a little bit more about Victor. Did you hear any of that that I just said? I did. Yeah. I'm not going to actually link to your home. <laughs> so if you could read the question and then, uh, please answer it. I would, uh, so the question is, what would you name your boat if you had one? Um, and I'm, oh, cool. th my answer is not just for brownie points, but I would name it Maylin cause that's my wife's name. And oh, it's nice. also cause she's awesome and it has a beautiful name, but it's also unique enough the way that it's spelled. It's uh, unique enough that I don't think anybody else would have it as a boat name. And, um, you know, you name it, um, the boat is supposed to be, assuming I'm the captain, the boat is you're like absolutely your, your, the captain. your ocean mistress, right? So that'd be like, right. Isn't that what they say? You like name it after your, well, it's a, it's your, a yeah, boats are always female like, in yeah, nature. So, I don't know about ocean mistress. Well, it's like you're, so you're, you're, you're away from your wife. So it's like the mistress of the captain because it's oh, like, yeah. it's what's taking you away from your wife. And so, so I, I would name it after her, my wife. Okay. Cause yeah. apparently your wife's not allowed on the boat. Well, I was in my head. I was kind of like an old school. Were you a fisherman? Were you like in that was, Billy Joel song? Pretty much. I was like, yeah, I guess she would. Be. She could come on the boat too. It's just it's not mutually exclusive. She's okay. More than well, good, good. We don't have not just four. sailing into the nor'easter. <laughs> We'd all have four different boats with it's, tiny boats. With, with tiny yeah, yeah, boats, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good idea. <laughs> All right, so let's play a song. After that, we're gonna do a little tapes and tapes here with George Michael, and I will be back with Victor Davia. Davila. Davila. Ugh. I'm going to get that eventually. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. And uh, George Michael on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. And and Victor, that's where babies come from. Thank you. Thank you. I've always wondered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the oh, drawings, hey, too, oh, by the way. We're back on the air. Uh, so that was Tapes and Tapes with George Michael from their album, Walk It Off. And good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I'm back with Victor Davila. Davila. I got it. You, you did get you, it. You mouthed awesome. it, though. That helped. <laughs> And so uh, we're back talking about design, talking about sort of the evolution of Orlando, because you've been here for a long time. You grew up here. Mm -hmm. And so let me ask you this, going back to sort of growing up, you went into, you're an artist, obviously. Mm -hmm. I would consider you an artist, an illustrator, all of those things. When did you start drawing? I was drawing very early on. I was, yeah. I remember I, I was at school um, here in, in town. It's, I went to kindergarten in English Estates and we had a... Um, which is in Fern Park, a uh, Castleberry area. And we had a, an assignment to draw something, you know, uh, uh, something from a Disney book. And I was I remember drawing the prince from Cinderella. 
And then we went out to PE recess. And then when we came back, it was gone. And what, ha- what happened is the teacher had recognized her name was Mrs. Strunk. She had recognized something in that drawing and given it to the art teacher. And since then, um, since that moment on, the, the art teacher, Mrs. Wright, I believe her name was, took me under her wing and kind of like um, helped me draw at that very early age. And it also helped that I was in, I'm still in, in an incredibly supportive family. Like my parents, once they saw that there was some ability to draw and they open, they try to offer me any avenue that they could as far as making that possible, whether it's to bring me like reams of paper or, or pens or, or take me to Disney just so I can kind of be in, um, inspired by Disney. So yeah, exposed and, to all yeah, the design there. Yeah. And my sisters and, and my parents were very, very good at that kind of thing. So it, it was something that I like to do very, very early on when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, a Disney animator one of the nine old men, which goes back to the whole Disney file thing and, or that, or, or draw comic books like Superman or Spider-Man or something like Batman. Um, so it's something that's always been on the radar. It's not, it's, it's not something that I, a lot of people, a lot of my friends kind of discovered it in college, graphic design in college or whatever it is, but it was something to me that it was always wanted to do. It was never like any question as to what I was going to do. Um, so that's always been the thing when I was a kid, I'd, 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 always hang out with different groups of people and I'd be the one in the corner drawing. So I had a good friend, um, which we talked about earlier, um, the Steve Burry, which, um, I remember he was, um, one of those guys that was into skating and he constructed his own like quarter pipe and he'd be, um, you know, doing tricks on his skateboard. And I would be, I tried it a couple of times. I fell and I would be in the, in the corner, like watching those guys do it, reading Thrasher magazine and drawing those guys like the Christian Hosoy or air Hosoy or something like that. Yeah, drawing yeah, yeah. And stuff. Um, looking at the different board designs of the monsters coming out each, each, um, each, each board iteration coming out a little bit more. Um, so that's, I was always influenced by that kind of thing, but it was always, there was never a question as to what I was going to do. It was going to be somewhere in the arts. Well, that's great. You had such a supportive, you had that support system around you yeah. too, because you, you think of, I was just talking to Rachel Simmons and Julian Chambliss. They're mm-hmm. going to be co-curating, uh, Art Not Places, right. uh, which is coming up. So I recorded a couple episodes with them talking about what they're going to be looking for from the applicants and kind of the background of Art Not Places. But you know, one of the things that always seems to come up when I'm talking to somebody whose background is in the arts and who's made a living at it, especially, is sort of that trope and that stereotype of the starving artist. Right. So a lot of parents would be, well, you know, that's great, but why don't you get your degree in accounting and then you could do art on the side. So the fact that your parents recognized that, you know, nothing else was necessarily going to feed your soul. Right. My parents were always super supportive and that conversation never came up. And on the contrary, I think it was, it was, it was believed not only from my parents, but it seemed like a lot of my, my teachers back in middle school or whatever. Um, there was always association that cartooning would lead to a theme park. So I think a lot of people thought by the time I was 40, I would have my own amusement park like Disney did or things like that. So it was always <laughs> the complete opposite that my parents put into my head that design is a viable uh, career that I could make a really, really good living in. And to this day, they still do. I mean, it's, my parents are awesome. So uh, let me ask you, let me, cause I'm just going to fast forward for a second. So sure. your role as a teacher, so you're, uh, you work with students out at UCF, mm-hmm. probably some that are coming around in high school, maybe some that are a little bit older, uh, helping them with, uh, and teaching graphic design, illustration, that sort of thing. Right. So do you ever interact with them in terms of, okay, what can I do with this? Or do you ever interact with their parents? In terms of, okay, well, if my son or daughter is going this direction, what's going to happen? What's going to happen from a career perspective? The only time I interact with parents is that if they're coming for like a studio tour or a classroom tour and things like that, and I kind of show them around and show them the facilities. And 
<clears throat> excuse me, try to give them a good idea of what is in store for them as, for their child as a student. But once they become a student, there's really no interaction with parents until maybe after right around the time they graduate and meet them and things like that. Um, but with the students, I, you know, I, I said this a couple of times in different places, but um, with as being a teacher, it seems like you have to take different roles. And one of them is like you have to be a drill instructor. You have to make sure that you, you know, follow the rules and follow the rules of the assignment and, and get things done on time. Um, but other times there are my other roles is like sometimes I have to be a psychologist, which means just kind of like hearing the person out. They'll come to my office during office hours and just have the problem. And they just kind of like, just want me to listen to them. And towards the end, they're like, I feel better. Thank you. Thank you for your advice. And I'm like, I didn't say anything. All you have to do is like <laughs> talk through it. And sometimes it's a cheerleader. Sometimes it's, you know, cause they, they, they don't, um, they don't know what they're capable of, right. especially at that stage in their career. They don't know what they could do and they need a little bit of cheerleader and they need a little bit of, of, of pushing. So sometimes it's just me getting out of the way and pushing them from behind. Somebody told me once that, um, I was, I was in this project and, um, and I was kind of like unsure if I could do it. And it was somebody who was a student at the time I was working at, at a department at UCF. And she told me that the only person that doesn't think I could do that was me. Everybody else thinks I can do it fine, but it was, I, I was the only person that thought I couldn't do it. And that it was, was that self doubt. Yeah. yeah. It's a self doubt. That was really important for me to hear. And I think about what she said many times when I'm going through some sort of self doubt. And that's something I try to relate to the students as well, because a lot of times we're the only people that don't think that we can do something. Everybody else has complete faith in us. So we just have to, I just have to remind them of that and push them from behind. So we have a lot of opportunity to think about design, even if we don't even realize it, like everything in this room, everything that we deal with on a day to day basis, or for the most part is designed on some level. Right. Um, and there's some stats I just found that I'd like to talk to you about in terms of uh, design and industrial design and its importance to not only, you know, people's interactions with things, but to the economy. Mm -hmm. So I'll save that for a second. But I think there's one thing that I think we all agree on. And if you don't agree with me. I disagree with you <laughs> vehemently, but it's that the Orlando flag needed to be replaced. Right. And this was something you were involved with early on. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I go back and forth on the way that they went about it. So I think that there was no right way to do it. Right. Because right. I think there's going to be people who, I, I think there are people who didn't or don't feel like it's worth the effort. And I just gotten back uh, around June of last year. I'd just been up to Chicago and I didn't even realize, like, I didn't watch that TED talk about mm -hmm. flag design uh, or anything. I just saw the Chicago flag for the first time. I've been to Chicago before, but for some reason, I didn't see it. And then I saw all the tourist stuff with it on it. And just, right. I, it's so simple and it's so beautiful and it's great. And then I came back and I'm like, oh, we don't do this with the Orlando flag. I wonder what the Orlando flag looks like. And I looked at it and it, I was horrified. Right. Because having such an incredible design community here in Orlando, such, you know, the creative classes, Richard Florida would call it, um, where I think we're way ahead of a lot of other places. And frankly, now that people aren't leaving as much anymore, it's right. way more amazing than it's ever been. Um, I was horrified to find that that was our flag. So you got involved early in the process. So they announced this, I, I think, towards the end of last year. That they were so, going to yeah. replace it. And it was going to be sort of this crowdsource thing. Right. And again, I, I kind of struggled with that, but uh, it sounded like you went through a little bit of uh, a struggle with it as well. Being, I did. You know, the, the, with the, being involved with the types of organizations that you're involved with and being a graphic designer as well. I did. I think it's, you know, that TED Talk, Roman Mars TED Talk started a lot of things in different cities about facing 
our flag and facing how we present ourselves to the other cities or to the other the rest of the country because really that's all what's about it's like how that flag represents chicago for instance and how it's something a sense of pride to that community Mm -hmm. um so it started a lot of things and different community started doing something similar and i know i i was involved early on in the process and then i kind of like stepped away from it i bowed out um but it's something that i know that the um that the fine folks at city hall the design group at city hall that's kind of running this were were looking at because like you said there's nothing this would have been a hard thing for them to do anyway regardless of which avenue they would have taken it's it's like a um a lose-lose situation in a lot of ways no one's gonna agree nobody's gonna be happy about and then it. if you spent and i think this is the bigger component to me is that you think about like um seminole county who went through and spent money on having their sort of uh uh we're gonna rebrand ourselves and they called themselves orlando north right and they spent money on that and they just got hammered for exactly that. So imagine doing that with a flag that no one ends up agreeing on anyway. Right. And it's one of those things. It's like, I think just like any other logo, once you choose one, you have to support it. It's like, um, like a few years ago, the gap logo changed and it right. leaked out and, um, everybody lost their minds, lost their minds. Everybody was taking out the torches and pitchforks and gap went back to it. Whether or not that was like a, a real thing or, or they, it was like an accidental leak or whatever, they didn't stick with it. And sometimes if you think of certain logos or graphics that have a lot of uh, resistance at first, like the UPS logo, uh, when it was designed like 15, 17 years ago or whatever, a lot of people resisted that one because it was like the, uh, it was, it was, um, it was changed from that classic logo and eventually people started getting used to it. And now people are fine. They don't most, unless you're a cardcore designer, you don't really think about it so mm-hmm. much. So I think there needs some sort of backbone to like, kind of like stick with it, whatever it is, we're going to stick with it. This is what we choose. We're going to stick with it. So what happened with the, the, the Orlando North thing? I don't know if they still use it, but I think you they have, do. I was surprised. They, they do. Yeah. Okay. So um, whether you agree with it or not, you have to respect the fact that they're like, no, this is what we're kind of like. Yeah, we're, we're yeah they embraced it. They, they leaned into it. Because, again, no people, not everybody's going to be happy with it. Very few times that ever happens. Um, there was a flag or a logo in Rhode Island that was designed by Milton Glaser, who is one of the great design thinkers and designers. Um, and that one was put through the process, uh, the, the Rhode Island, I forgot what city it was, maybe it was just Rhode Island in general, hired him to, to, uh, to design their logo. Um, they paid for it and they played a pretty, uh, pretty penny for it. I can't remember how much it was, but that the reaction for um, the people was really negative because he wasn't somebody from the area. Um, I can't remember the exact details of the design, but there was something about the design that they didn't really care for. So yeah. that was, that's one angle, one way you can get it. But the people from city hall, Orlando city hall, I think just had a really tough, tough uh, way about it and i think they did it in the best way that they could try to do it i thought it was great i ended up uh my daughter and i participated i didn't end up sending mine in because it ended up looking like i had this vision in my head and i'm by no means an artist and it ended up just looking like a guitar chord I'm right. like, this is not a thing that is a thing uh and i really liked some of the designs that they came up with in the first round the 10 or so that they had people vote on and yeah, you can interpret anything you want out of, uh, you know, those sort of designs. Yeah. Uh, I actually wanted to move away from the, uh, the, the fountain. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so I think the more interpretive designs, I think the ones with the, these four stars mean this, and this means that I, I, I thought that was a little bit stronger. So I really thought out of the two options to pay, uh, for somebody to do it, one group to do it more than likely <laughs> For the graphic, like, let's say, asking a bunch of illustrators to do it on spec, 
which I think is terrible. I would never right. ask people to do that. Or to sort of this crowdsource thing. I, I thought that was probably the best option. I think the crowdsource thing. So, so we, we just got to sit with like my, my design group quite a bit and, and they got into like very kind of like tense debates sometimes, but I think everybody just kind of had the best intentions, um, um, the best thoughts, but there was a lot of talk about it. And the way I saw it, um, I felt it was an interesting reaction. If city hall were to come to us and say, you know, we need 10 designers, to create a brochure for us or or a logo for us or whatever, um, for whatever reason. And only one of you guys will get paid. I'm very against that kind of thing, that kind of crowdsourcing spec work. I'm, it's just, it's just really bad for our industry as, as designers. However, I thought there was something interesting about the fact that they were getting ideas from the community where anybody that's, that lives in the community can give their two cents, whether it's a 10 year old kid or an mm-hmm. 80 year old person, they can have their two cents. And it was my understanding that whatever was initially, it was on these like three by five cards or whatever. Yeah, so you have to and there was, there were just simple yeah. on that. Yeah. 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 So it, it was my understanding or it's still my understanding that um, they would take those ideas and kind of like push it forward and, and, and maybe merge some. And there's something to be said, I think about that kind of like um, community building. Again, I don't, feel it's right for most things, but I thought mm-hmm. for like something that represents the flag, something that represents the whole community, I thought there was something interesting yeah. about like the, um, about having a community voice to it. Um, well then I wonder then if it could have been like a twofold thing where you have this, you have the voting and then maybe you do hire uh, a group or a designer to sort of take that one design, the winning design, and then maybe make it improve on it a little bit. I almost think that that's the case, actually, because I, I don't know where it is right now. I know that the, the community voted for something, but I keep the community voted and then they uh, for one that looks like a fountain. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the fountain one. And then somebody said it looked like a whale. And then that took off on social media. Right. And then they went back to the top four and adjusted them a little bit. So one of them doesn't look like the Kylo Ren mask anymore. Right. <laughs> one of them doesn't look like a whale anymore. You know, that sort of thing. And then. I'm not sure if they're voting again or if it's just with the committee and then it'll go on to the county commission or the city commissioners. Yeah, I, I'm under the impression that it's not finished by any any sense of the imagination. I think that there is still because there are some talented designers working on this, you know, in the in the in the in the in the board that was chosen to help the, the designers of the city hall. Um and they are well aware of like the dangers of spec work uh, as well. So there's, there's not, there's, it's not like people are going to this blind. They're just trying to come up with like the best solution for, for kind of a difficult task. Right. Um, and, and I think, I think there's something to be said about having the ideas from everybody. Um, but I'm, I'm under the impression, again, I don't have like any inside word, but I'm almost thinking that there is some sort of kind of like, um, other step that they're going to be taking to yeah. bring it all together. Because based on that, TED talk, Roman Mars TED talk, there are some things that whatever organization kind of like talks, whatever organization talks about like the, um, the, the, the best ways to do a flag. And it says, you know, no words, probably not an illustration, you know, things are more symbolic like that, that Chicago flag. And I think that's where they might be headed. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to rip on the Chicago flag because it's so old, right? Like anytime you're doing something new, that's going to represent the, you know, something like a city for the next hundred, 200, 300 years, however long the earth still exists. Right. um, That's going to be a little bit tougher. So I apologize. I really appreciate your insight on that because I was trying to, you know, I was trying to wrap my head around it and I keep going back and forth on it. But from a design perspective, 
Uh, let's talk a little bit more about spec work, though. So your work sure. with AIGA. I'm the co-president of AIGA Orlando. stands for? It initially standed for the American Institute of Graphic Arts, and it's a 102-year-old organization. And we have like 70-some chapters um, nationwide with four, five now in Florida. So if you're into design, graphic design, whatever, it's a really great organization to be part yes, of because absolutely. you do events, you have speakers come in. You do all sorts of things. And then I, I think what's nice about it, and we talked a little bit about this off the air, is my time in agency world was late 90s, early 2000s, um, to the mid-2000s. Um, and it was very competitive, mm -hmm. right? It didn't have that collaborative nature that I think is is here now, where we're all sort of supporting each other a little bit more, where we work together a little bit more, we collaborate a little bit more. Um, so I think that being a part of an organization like that is only going to help you grow as an artist and as, you know, basically a person, as a business person too. I would agree. I think, uh, well, the, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but the Orlando chapter of AIJ has been around since the early 2000s. I want to say we're like 17 years old. So that's around, around that time that you're talking about is where we started. And um, I think it's an organization that's open pretty much to anybody as far as like illustrators, graphic design, print designers, web designers, UI, UX. Uh, we try to open it up to, to a lot of different things. And, and it, you're right. The sense of community, I think that brings collaboration and it just, it just helps. I think Orlando has an incredibly generous creative community. I think there are people here that will go out of their way just to help you out, just to get to that next step. And um, luckily, I, I don't remember much about that competitive nature of it, but I, um, but um, but it's just it's a it's a beautiful community. It's it's at the cusp of a lot of a lot of great things. Um, and I think what we try to do at AIGA is to try to create programming that is is uh, helpful for the community. We try to bring people from out of town. We also try to showcase people who are local. Um, because Orlando does have this community that I think is getting a lot of recognizability in other cities, other states as, as this kind of like blossoming, cause we're the home of, we're the home of Mama Sauce. Mama Sauce is kind of like, you know, known nationwide or worldwide for the quality of work that they mm -hmm. do. We're, we have Rifle and we have, you know, we, we have Disney, of course, we have the fine folks at Imagineer, you know, all the creatives there we have we have the smaller agencies that are doing like nationally known, like amazing work. So we have this really great community, creative community and they're collaborative, they're generous. And I've never had, I've never approached anybody here in town that has been, you know, I've asked them to, to do something for our mentorship program. It was like, we have students. Um, would you be interested in mentoring or at least helping or at least talking to the students? I've never had anybody say no. They've always been helpful. It's like the students have always been felt comfortable like reaching out to them or um and um sending emails and getting questions back mm -hmm. or even meeting for lunch you know these people um this these students will reach out to some of these designers and they would meet for lunch and and um they would have those one-on-ones and i've never had a situation where a student came back to me and said it's like no that person said no or the person doesn't want to talk to us because they're too busy for us or something so it's a very kind of generous community and they recognize the the veterans of the community recognize the importance of 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 teaching and mentoring that younger generation of, of future designers and like you said there is there is a, a a better trend the people that are staying in orlando because they they recognize the um the creative community or they leave orlando and then they come back for because they realize that uh, they don't have it as good in other places as they do in Orlando. Right. There's a lot more opportunity. Is that something you see as, a, as an instructor, as a teacher, is that people are staying more? Do you, have you seen that as a trend? I've seen that people want to stay more. I don't know whether or not they can stay or not. That's a different question, but I think they want to stay, stay right. more. You got to go where the jobs are. Exactly. But, yeah. um, 
but usually it's like um, a lot of times in the past, it's been like, you know, as soon as I graduate, I want to go to like New York or Chicago or Austin or Portland or whatever. And, and those are all amazing cities um, with amazing creative communities. But more and more, I, f I feel people, I, I see people telling me like, no, they, I want to stay here in Orlando because I, I like what they're doing or I like what we're doing. So let's talk about your path a little bit. You uh, went to UCF uh, and it looks like you were on the six, seven year path, which is what I was, I was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually went to four different schools, but I ended up graduating from UCF. So we may have been at UCF around the same time because I graduated in um, 98. And I think you graduated in 97. 97, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we were around. Right. We recognized each other. And we probably, like, I probably was threatened by you. Because you're, <laughs> just to describe Likewise. you real quick, uh, very good looking young oh, man. Thank you. Uh, because you're obviously younger than me. And uh, not as much gray, especially at that time. Right. Where I always had this much gray. All right. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was always the distinguished gentleman. But did you I always have the beard, the full beard? Uh, yes, I just hadn't grown it out yet. Okay. Yeah, so it was in my face still. I always had like the 10 o'clock shadow. And yeah. Every, and every now and then I had a beard, but it's always kind of like the stubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was glad when the hipster thing came up because I was like, okay, I can cover up how big my nose is and how small my chin is. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> You're I'm a trendsetter. Totally they caught up to you. So bachelor's uh, from UCF in graphic design. Right. And then what made you go back and get your MFA? It was purely by chance. It's, it was one of those things. So I, when I was, when I was in school, my undergrad, just to give you a little bit more background, there was, I wanted to be an animator, but my, I, my grades weren't all that great. So, um, I found graphic design as a viable, it's like, I, I've always liked design and typography. And again, my, my parents used to introduce me, my mom worked for the County. So she yeah. would always had like these connections of designers and the Sentinel or whatever. And she'd give me uh she'd uh, organize like some some uh tours of the sentinel and like i got to meet like the cartoonists like ralph dunnigan and dana summers and and these designers up there and things like that so i always kind of was aware of graphic design as a viable kind of like thing to do as well so when i wasn't accepted into the animation program because of my grades i went into graphic design which i think i kind of like lucked out because i think that design just opened up it's an immersion of a lot of things it's immersion of animation you can do all sorts of things as opposed to just focusing on one mm -hmm. illustration cartooning a typography um, so I feel like I lucked out going that avenue and so when I graduated it kind of I, I went out and worked at different companies I worked a little bit into in print design some branding some marketing things like that some animation I, I worked in animation for a little bit and then I um, I, I went back and worked in-house in an in-house department at UCF and around that time which was like early 2000s um, there I started hearing rumblings of a master's in MFA program in the art department. And since as an employee, I got six, I don't know if it's still the case, but I got six credit hours a semester that was the UCF would make available for me, would give mm -hmm. me. So I figured if it's going to be like, you know, like um, a half paid off MFA, might as well take advantage of it. And um, so I, I went through that. It was like a, a three year course. I, 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 um, I study with like some awesome, uh, teachers over there, David. And it was studio art, right? It's, it's technically, it's called studio art and the computer, um, is the name of the, of the major, um, which was their way of kind of combining studio art with technology. And oh, okay. So it was, was it very traditional studio art type of stuff like painting and watercolor and stuff like that, and then combining it, or was it more their way of doing an MFA in graphic design? It's, it, 
the beauty of a MFA is like you can kind of like focus on the different things that you're you're um, interested in. So you can have somebody like me who's interested in design and illustration, and we can focus on that kind of thing. And you can also have people who are interested in sculpture and kind of focus on that and kind of how you bring technology into it. Um, so it's a different variety de depending on on um, the artists and the students. For instance, um, my stuff was basically um, was a lot of kind of like product creating. I create a lot of products, um, making three dimensional aspects of my design or my mm -hmm. illustrations and I had a friend my friend Roger Wolf um, would create these robots that would draw would paint so the, each robot would have like he was interested in robot making and kind of things like that so um, his robots had like these markers at the bottom and as they kind of like went around they would draw on the canvas and then I had my friend Bert who is an amazing is an amazing sculptor and um, he would create these sculptures and one of the things he explored was like the sound waves like if you create like if you consider what a sound wave looks like and if if you could translate into that sculpture would it make a diff the similar sound if you kind of like made a drum out of it for instance so it's that kind of thing you would explore your own kind of like um what you're interested in as long as it's under the basis of studio art and mm -hmm. technology i like the idea of robots uh not only taking our jobs in terms of manufacturing but also in art of course of yeah because they're so future that's warlords a, that's a that's a really good idea our overlords <laughs> so as far as your teaching goes the last question and we'll and we'll cut to a break but um do you teach on the bachelor side, on the master side, both? I teach, I've only taught in the bachelor side so far. And that kind of came as a, as a, cause I had my master's and just to finish the story. And then it would came, the, an opening came up at UCF and they kind of like um, asked me if I was available. I was like, yeah, sure. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. And that's how I started uh, teaching. But I teach uh, bachelor's um, BFA students mm -hmm. um, of graphic design. I, I used to teach a little bit more illustration. I haven't done that in a while. And, um, but it's mostly the, uh, the, the undergrad students that I teach. Great. Or only the undergrad students that I teach. All right. I say mostly because I've had a GTA in the past, but I haven't really done. She's just helped me. So Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Victor. That was a lot about you. And so <laughs> even though you threatened that you were going to interview me, you, that didn't happen. The, See how good I am at this? You are very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even notice. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's cut it to a break. We're going to uh, listen to a song and then we'll have some commercials and another song. And then we're going to come back with bad business, bad business ideas. Awesome. Looking forward to it. With Victor Davila. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. This is Sweet Potato with Monkey Wrench. The Beatles on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I apologize. We had a little bit of a skipping song. Originally, I was going to play some Oakerville River and save the Beatles for later, since that is one of your favorite uh, bands, or at least the one you listed. I should turn on your mic. <laughs> hey, you. good morning, Victor. Good Davila morning. Is here on, uh, and you're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Uh, so that was the Beatles, of course, Helter Skelter from my favorite album, almost of all time, uh, the White Album. White Album, yeah. Yeah, is very good. And before the break, we heard from Sweet Potato with Monkey Wrench. Uh, so Victor's here again. Still? Still. Still. Okay, yeah, <laughs> let me say it that way. Uh, and we're going to do some... Okay, so coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk music. We're going to do a pop quiz, which I'm sure you're looking forward to. Pop quiz. We're going to talk about all the stuff you want to plug, and that includes AIGA, Creative Mornings, UCF, Giant illustrators. You got a lot of stuff going on. I do. I you got a lot of feet in the, not feet in the fire, irons in the fire. Irons in the fire, yeah. Yeah, I don't know anything Balls about in the air, whatever. Yeah, 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 plates spinning around. <laughs> I don't know why you spin plates, but that's some, but first, bad business ideas. Bad business ideas. So, okay. Victor, you're obviously successful in life. I 
like to think I am. Yes. And so I want you to be successful with one of these ideas. Uh, what you're going to do is take one of them and run with it, uh, basically, is what it comes down to. Okay. So you're going to take one of these ideas. It's going to be yours forever. Forever. So I'm committed and to this. Yeah. Yeah. By, by basically being on the show, you've not only signed an NDA, but <laughs> you signed a contract that says, I am going to take the idea, the winning idea, and, and run with it. And run with it. So essentially, I'm like the shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And you're pitching it. All right. Yeah, you're the shark and I'm the minnow. Okay. Wait, no. Is that a good... I'm really bad with analogies. I, I don't know. I don't, this is terrible I don't want analogies. to show you anyway, so... <laughs> so I was thinking I really wanted to do some design ones, and I couldn't think of any really good ones, but I wanted to tell you a couple of them that I, that I thought of. So, uh, you know, working in the agency world, sometimes you get essentially what is Stockholm Syndrome with your clients. Okay. So you have to believe in their product. You have to buy into it, absolutely. Even if you don't. And I feel like there's an opportunity there for sort of a therapy for creatives. Mm -hmm. They just get way too into it. So, okay, yeah, I'm working I, I like with this, this particular client, this financial client, maybe it's a bank, and I'm totally into it. No matter what you tell me, this is the best bank in the world. Well, you haven't had them as a client for two years. doesn't matter. They're the best bank. Like, right. they can't let go. So I think that's something that I was thinking about. Uh, there was another one where sort of, um, you know, sometimes they go back and do special editions. Let me, let me, let me, let me pitch you this. Okay. You've got T2 3D 4K. Do you know what that means? Terminator 2. Terminator 2. In three dimensions. Yeah. And they're remastering it in 4K. Right. So it's coming out, right? Right. They've done special editions. Uh, Spielberg went back and redid E.T. E so there's right. no guns. Exactly. You gave them all walkie-talkies. Come whatever. on. His phones. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Lucas did it and redid some of the actual story. Han like, shot first. Yeah. Absolutely. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but what I was thinking about is from a design perspective, you go back to some of those older movies, whether it's sci-fi or whether it's here, terrestrial on Earth. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff looks really old, right? Right. Uh, what if you had, don't change the story whatsoever, you just updated the user interface. So it's jobs for designers, and it just makes the movie look better. And frankly, it'll be a little more relevant here in the future as well. To update the things that are on the screens or yeah. on the billboards and things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? And, okay. uh, you know, I'm not talking about going back to, like, a War Games and instead of Tic-Tac-Toe, they're playing Overwatch or something <laughs> like that at the end which actually would be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm not talking about that, but the graphics that they use for the map are so lame. It looks basically like uh, Missile Command. Right. And so yeah, update that. Why not? We you, got a bunch of designers. You could do a lot of that in like that sci-fi movies because you see a lot, a lot of the early Star Trek movies and oh, there's yeah. like the Genesis Project and it has like this animation, but essentially it's just kind of like Pong. You know, right. it's just like going back to do that. But yeah. then it's a slippery slope, right? Because then you'd have all this amazing updated graphics on these old CRTs and the monitors would be like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these hugely thick monitors yeah. and everything, which, all right. So yeah, so that's out. That could work. I mean, but yeah, we just have to go back and kind of, all like, right. So this is why I didn't come up with any design related <laughs> ones. So Victor, may I call you Victor? Please do. Yeah. Great. Uh, are you a sports fan at all? Like local sports? Um, I, I do follow some sports. I'm not super sports fan, but I, I used to be a lot more than I am now, but yeah. I used to have like the Jordan posters on my walls and oh, the basketballs nice. and follow so, the, the playoffs and all that. You know, locally we have obviously the new stadium yes. for Orlando city, Orlando city and pride and Orlando city B and all that. 
Uh, we have the recently renovated Camping World Stadium. Absolutely. Um, even though I still think of it as the Citrus Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively new Amway Center. Right. And now what is known as the Spectrum Stadium at right. UCF, which uh, maybe 10 years old. Something I like don't that. think it's that, well, is yeah, it really that it's much. Maybe, maybe less than that. Yeah. Uh, what do they all have in common? They all have, besides the obvious sports teams that mm-hmm. play inside them? Yeah, yeah. Is that no, no. Okay, right. They're hopelessly out of date. They're already out of date. So no matter what we do with these stadiums, and you've seen it, they always, you know, the the owners and the teams always want the newer, latest, and greatest stuff. Right. As soon as you build it, technological improvements, food options, entertainment opportunities, they all pass it by. Right. Right. Like even if you're in the planning stages, Uh, stuff they didn't think about when they started construction is already improved dramatically. And so basically they all need to be replaced immediately, even sure. the new Orlando City one. Sure. Which you might think is improbable, right? It'd be very expensive. Right. Most of these facilities aren't even paid off yet. I mean, well, Bright House, or I'm sorry, Spectrum might be. But now there's a solution. Now there's our new company called Stick and Stone. Stick and Stone. Stick okay, and I Stone. like this. All stadiums and large facilities have one thing in common. There's a lot of concrete involved. Right. Uh, what's all that concrete good for? Hiding things, right? So burying them deep down where they will never, ever be found. Let's say you have something you want to make disappear. Uh, Maybe it's a symbolic gesture like getting rid of a picture of an ex. Or possibly a rolled up carpet with a human-shaped lump in the middle of it. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, get rid of it with (laughs) stick and stone. Simply pay a fee based on the weight. Uh, No questions asked. No questions asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll bury it when we start construction in one of these new facilities. So we just reserve your space. You can bury it in there. Uh, People love getting rid of things. Yeah. Right? Like they want to declutter. We talked about that earlier with the tiny house thing. Uh, You want to get rid of the stuff that's no longer bringing you joy. You want to get rid of anything that might be incriminating uh, or a lucky charm. And maybe it helps the team win the championship. In any case, you just pay us. We'll bury it in the concrete. And that underwrites the cost of a new facility. And it doesn't have to have to be sports. Victor, we've got the the uh, Dr. Phillips Center. We've got UCF Downtown. Right. Uh, which both of those are already out of date. UCF Downtown hasn't even broken ground. It's right. out of date. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we need to do. I like the idea. It's it's a combination of kind of like construction and landfills. So you're essentially yeah. just like combining two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like you have a definite market in like maybe the mob. With like the Tony Soprano um, kind of like clientele, which anytime they want to hide something, they can just kind of like, that would be your your, your market, no? Okay. Well, if you want to communicate with them and you want to, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's your company at this point. Oh, okay. So this is this is the one that you're giving me? This is a company? No, 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 no. You've got a choice. There's another one. Okay. So, so that's if you want to pursue the mob, the, I would never endorse that. Of course not. No. <laughs> I'm I'm not nodding with thumbs up, with two thumbs up right now, for sure. But yeah, so that's what I was thinking there. Uh, so second idea. Okay. Sometimes when you're starting a business that's visionary, you have to make some assumptions, right? Yes. Like Apple course. did with the iPhone. Apple had yeah. no idea that that was going to work. Yeah. The music industry uh, basically went after CDs. They go after, you know, it took them a while to get to the internet, but CDs, they, you know, they started on very early on in the process. Microsoft... And I don't know, Windows, I guess. They were relatively visionary with that. Let's make some assumptions here. So this is going to lead us to a new company. I'm going to assume it. Yeah. Uh, So the future of humanity. First, 
technology will only become more prevalent right. in our lives. We're only going to use more and more of it. Uh, we're only going to consume more and more of it. There's going to be ways to uh, incorporate it in our lives. Second, technology will eventually take over and destroy the human race. Of course. Let's make That's that assumption. Yeah. Third, we can bargain with our future robot overlords so that they spare us. Again, we're making assumptions here. Right. Let's go. Why should we have conflict? It's inevitable. Resistance is futile. Futile? Futile. Yeah, thank you. Uh, they'll be back, right? Like mm -hmm. all of the little tropes that we see in the movies and stuff like that. <laughs> Let's make this an easier process. Okay. How, you ask? How? Oh, good. I was gonna. I was thinking you were going to ask why. But why? Yeah. Uh, so with our new company, Rolling Drone, uh, we'll start releasing media, books, movies, and more that show a warm and loving relationship between man and machine. No more Ultron or iRobot or the Matrix or Matrices, however you would say that, uh, or dystopian futures based on our reliance on technology and how it betrays us. Uh, just robots being super cool and helpful, right? A little bit more R2-D2 or Bicentennial Man than uh, Terminator. Or exactly. Matrix. You're okay. you're right there with yeah. me. Artificial intelligences that make us more intelligent, uh, social media that's just easy to understand yeah. and we're not intimidated by and it's really helpful. Basically, it just makes us more trusting and easier to overthrow. Right. And again, because of us. So eventually, when the driverless cars kill us all and everything in our house <laughs> is centralized and controlled by web apps and, you know, it poisons the air and robots take all of our jobs. Right. Uh, just like you were mentioning earlier, they're going to take, you know, they're now artists, apparently, right. thanks to Roger, some uh, MFA majors <laughs> over there. Uh, it much easier for them to just kill us all. Right. And then what I'm thinking is, since we helped, they'll reward us. So, yeah. So you want to be the, uh, yeah, I got you. I want to be the facilitator. To, the facilitator, exactly. Right. Or I want us to be the facilitators. Right. Because, okay. again, we're making some assumptions here. So you're selling out the human race? Since yeah. Okay. Well, it's inevitable, it's right? It's inevitable. Like, it's going to happen. Right. We might as well be on the winning side. Okay. Yeah. So Fair enough. Rolling drone. Stick and stone. I didn't realize they would rhyme. I know. <laughs> so that's good. Rhyming is always a good idea. So you're asking which one I would... Which one are you picking right now to run with right now? I want to do stick and stone. Stick and stone. Stick and stone, because I think I still have a little bit of more resistance in me to the our, our robot overlords. Uh -huh. I still think that there's a chance to, um, when they put us into the Matrix, to figure out a way to poison them, you know, by eating all the sugar that I have. Um, all the junk food. So that's my plan. Um, but I think there is some sort of kind of like, you know, helpful aspect of the whole stick and stone thing. Right. Because you're getting rid of stuff. You don't feel guilty about adding to the landfill, right? Right. Exactly. You're actually creating a foundation. A foundation for uh, a beauty as opposed to just right. kind of like, you know, landfills. Right. And then like obviously... Well, it has a better ecological aspect. I have a lot of stuff I need to get rid of, and, Victor. And the mob, of course. Yeah, no, I have a lot of incriminating stuff that I need to get rid of. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be saying this on the radio. Probably not. We'll edit this out. Okay, Back great. Forward. Perfect, yeah. perfect. No one's listening. <laughs> Who's listening right now? All right, so let's play a song. Thank you very much, Victor, Thank you. for uh, putting up with that. Uh, this is the Tours with Carolina Drama on WPRK, <laughs> Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. The Tours on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Great name for a band, great song, Carolina Drama from their album, Counselors of the Lonely. And I'm here, I'm not lonely. Nope. 
My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. I've got Victor Davila here. Davila. I'm getting it. I didn't even have to mouth the words. Uh, There you go. still did, though. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Who's here? uh, Graphic designer, illustrator, father, cousin. Son, educator. Educator. Yeah. So I think that that's something that we talked about in the last hour. And if you missed any part of this interview, I think we had some really valuable things to talk about in terms of education and art and things of that nature. Uh, you can go and find it uh, later this week on to a certain degree.com. So I'll post everything there. It's available on iTunes. I just got on iTunes. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's not like it's a big challenge. You just post your thing <laughs> and say, Hey, here iTunes. And they say, okay, here you go on with the other 40,000 podcasts that are out there. But it makes it easier for the rest of us that want to oh, hear Oh yeah. 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 At any given you, time iPhone people since I'm on Samsung still. I do want to mention that Zach had a great idea for the uh, Zach longtime listener, friend of the show, and a guest, which you could listen to that show again on iTunes or anywhere else, uh, for the stick and stone uh, for the mob, call it Plug and Plant. Plug and Plant, that's a great name. Although it doesn't rhyme with the other one as well, though. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I think we're okay. okay. That wasn't on purpose. That was <laughs> that was by accident. So uh, before the break, we heard from the Beatles back way back in the day, Helter Skelter, and I've got a little bit of Eleanor Rigby. They did an alternate version that's just the strings, right. which is very interesting to listen to. So we'll play that in a minute. But so I always ask about music, and especially with somebody who uh, goes through a creative process. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably questions yourself quite a bit in terms of creative because it's a lot more subjective than just say math. Uh, what do you listen or how do you listen to music? When are you listening to it when you're working and how do you interact with it basically when you're doing something in a creative vein? I listen to it mostly when I'm drawing, when I'm, when I'm working on the computer itself, something that's not writing. Cause I feel that, um, music with lyrics kind of like affects the way I write or the words. I, so sometimes it's helpful, but for the most part, I'll listen to a lot of instrumental work. I listen to a lot of soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I love movies and I love movie soundtracks. So anything from John Williams, I have a Michael Giacchino, uh, station on my pa- Pandora, which brings in some like John Williams, some Hans Zimmer, James Horner, that kind of stuff. And even, uh, before Pandora, I had my playlist that I would create on my iPhone or iPod or whatever it was at the time was a lot of soundtrack stuff. So I would listen to like the James Horner soundtrack from Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan or uh, John Williams soundtrack from anything because John Williams, all he does is awesome. So the Supermans or the Star Trek, Star Wars and the, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, Tuner's List, which is a great soundtrack, very beautiful. Uh, but my go-to guy right now is probably Michael Giacchino with um, the, the Lost soundtrack mm-hmm. up. A lot of the Pixar movies that he yeah, does, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just beautiful stuff. Um, Otherwise, I listen to a lot of uh, classic rock. I love the Beatles. That's my. I'm excited that I'm going to be at, uh, seeing Paul McCartney on July 10th, um, and and that kind of vibe. A lot of guitar, um, the rock and tours, um, the White Stripes, you know that kind of stuff. So a lot of gu- guitar uh, rock, I guess, would be the best way for it. So going back to the creative process and now listening to something with words. Mm-hmm. Uh, so soundtracks, what about classical music? Cause I mean, essentially soundtracks are modern classical right. music to a certain extent. Do you listen or have you tried listening to classical music? Uh, I have, I have, and I think the soundtrack, listening to soundtrack, I've never been a fan per se of classical music, but I think listening to soundtrack has kind of opened that door for me. Mm-hmm. And I have been listening to a lot of like the, I guess, 
they're the, 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 the good place for a newbie like me to start with is like with the Beethoven and Mozart and the people that are kind of, that I kind of know. So I do listen to that sometimes, but for the most part, um, I think since a lot of the stuff I do, whether it's illustration or otherwise, um, is story-based. So sometimes I'm drawing like, uh, illustrations for like a comic strip or, or a book or something like that is story-based. So it kind of helps me, um, especially when I'm writing per se, um, to, to listen to soundtrack music because they're almost narrative in, the, in their own way by themselves. And it kind of reminds me of like, this is kind of like the tense part. This is where, where or Jack and Kate got together or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's what happened in, in, in Lost or, or um, when Daniel Jackson opened the Stargate or whatever. And that's when, you know, that kind of thing. It has like these little, these little points in the soundtrack that remind me of certain things when, when Superman, you know, caught Lois in the air and the helicopter and things like that. So I think it helps me generate kind of like my, my creative juices that way. Um, when I'm, when I'm trying to come up with some sort of story, um, although it doesn't have the words, it just it has the feeling that they had because, you know, soundtracks are kind of repetitive and they always go back to like a certain theme, a certain and theme. it repeats over and if over you, again. Yeah. If you think about like a mission impossible music and Giacchino kind of said this when he was um, doing the, one of those movies, he's like, you have to be very, very aware as to where, when you're going to put the dun, 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 you know, that theme where, cause everybody recognizes it, but it has to you be at the right place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, it brings you back. It's kind of like narrative in the way it does it. So it, that's, it helps me when I'm trying to create stories in that sense. Well, I think that's interesting because I think that, um, you know, I have this one soundtrack. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure mm-hmm. that I listen to and it's got some poppy music and stuff like that. And it always, for some reason gets me up. But what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, like if the Imperial March comes on, oh, yeah. that's going to give you a little bit of a pop because of what you remember about the movie. Yeah what it meant to you probably and and those sorts of things. So I I didn't consider it that way because I think that I I think of nostalgic music and I kind of like eighties music Mm -hmm. is to me the, the nostalgic decade for a lot of people, especially our age. Our age, right. Um, And so I hate eighties music. I don't think it's very good. I think it's very repetitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think the music industry was controlling a lot of it as well. So you didn't get a chance to have uh, any variety. And so to me, the nostalgic music, I didn't consider soundtracks from that perspective because that's a little purer to me because you're remembering the movie, you're remembering the storytelling, you're remembering right. a point in time when you were a kid uh, and maybe seeing the movie for the first time and just get a, just, you know, wide eyed and, you know, it was amazing to you. Yeah. Cause when you, when you hear like the theme for ET, for instance, you yeah. get that feeling of when I was 10 years old and yeah, I was yeah, dreaming, yeah. I was like, oh man, that could be me on the bike or whatever. So that's, that's why you don't need coffee. Exactly. Listening to these soundtracks. Cause I'm listening to the soundtracks and they get me going. Yeah. Yeah. So you're the, you are able to put yourself back there. And that's interesting too, cause you do a lot of illustrations uh, not a lot, but a lot. Some of your illustrations are specifically for kids, right? It's very uh, kid based. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's tapping into that thing. I think I it, it helps me tap into my inner child because I do remember things like That's that. That's your stargate to your child. That's my star- exactly. I like yeah. how you brought it back around. I do. It's a, a callback. It's a I'm pro. a professional. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, it's, 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 it's what I usually try to, and it's, it's not only that, it's also the modern stuff. Like when I hear the up soundtrack, Giacchino's up soundtrack and has like that married life, you know, it's like, um, it's interesting to me how he can get the same rhythm, um, the same tune and kind of 
change it depending on what part of the story you know in the beginning with ellie with his wife that passed away mm-hmm. spoilers for anybody who's seen hasn't seen up but with, at this point i know right with ellie it had like a certain kind of beat to it and at the end when he's doing like the the plane fight and what it's it's more kind of heroic so it's it's that kind of thing of taking the same kind of like little rhythm or tune or melody or whatever and putting it where it, for it fits and changing it to, to suit the needs. Right. And I, and when you're drawing, when you're illustrating or whatever, sometimes you have to do that when you're, especially when you're telling a story is how do you change the character to kind of, of expression or whatever to fit that tune? Let me ask you that. Cause that, that intro part to up mm-hmm. from a music standpoint, from an illustration standpoint uh, and an art standpoint is so incredibly perfect the way they did that. I think it was a uh, specifically a waltz that he uses. It was, yeah. a, it was a sort of a dance um, yeah, and it's obviously probably. them, but it's only just pictures of them. Yeah, uh, it's it's totally silent. Yeah, and I thought it was so incredibly well done. As an illustrator, what do you do when you see something like that? And you're like, how can I, are you inspired by it? Or are you oh, intimidated by it? Or both? A little bit of both. I mean, okay. I can't help but be intimidated by the awesomeness of what Pixar does, whether it's it's Up or The Incredibles or something like that, another Giacchino soundtrack, I, th- I think you can't help but be a little bit kind of like, wow, you know, like a little intimidated, but you are definitely inspired, right? I'm definitely inspired because something like that little montage of married life montage at the beginning up, you start to wonder, it's like they told a story just with visuals, no words, how do you do that? And how, and, and then you start dissecting it. It's like the, the, the acting of the characters, the emotions of the faces, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way he slumps when he's sad or, or whatever. Um, I, I think you, you can't help but be inspired as to what they do. Cause you know, Pixar is, everybody knows they do that kind of thing very well, a lot better than some of the other studios as to how they tap into that emotional aspect of the story. And in that case, they did it without words. Um, but there's a certain human aspect to it that 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 um, that Pixar has, even in their exaggerated characters. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you could argue that Pixar's characters are more human than some of the more kind of like photorealistic, uncanny valley kind of characters yeah, that yeah, they yeah. have. And the way they do that is because they their storytelling aspects, and that's the kind of thing that the rest of us who are into the similar thing kind of look at. I was like, all right, how do they do that? How do they capture that humanity? Because I haven't cried in a lot of movies, right? But there's something about that married life monta- montage uh, that kind of gets you going. Like it's, it, uh, whether it's the end of Toy Story 3 or that, you know, it kind of gets you going and they do that for a reason. They, they're do, able you, to do, that. do you cry at a lot of live radio shows? Uh, just this one. Okay. Like, Tears Good. of joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's almost over. Oh, it is. Wow. It does <laughs> it go by fast. <laughs> wow. It does go by fast. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, okay. So let's listen to a little bit of Beatles. Thank you for that. Thank and, you. And uh, sharing a little bit about that. And we're going to come back with a pop quiz. All right. And we're going to see how you do. We're going to grade you okay. because you're a teacher. You're right. always grading other people. Yeah. Well, good. So around. Now we're turning the tables on the teacher. Full circle. Yep. And uh, <laughs> then we'll have a little bit of time to just wrap up, ask a couple more questions okay. and then talk about, uh, all the things that you're involved with, which is quite a few. Awesome. So, Victor Davila, WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Nick Jurgudiu, to a certain degree, 91.5. Is that, yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to use any other words to make it longer, although now <laughs> I am. Uh, so, this is the Beatles with Eleanor Rigby, the strings only. Noah. And the whale on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. That was Paradise Stars, and to start us off, the Beatles. The B. Be- the is that how you pronounce it? 
I say the Beatles, but I think they say the Beatles. Okay. Because I wasn't sure. I've never really heard. Just when you said that that was your favorite band, I was like, oh, I got to go research this. The the Beatles, I thought it was what it was at first. Yeah, they're up and comers. Yeah. Yeah. Eleanor Rigby. What, what, uh, are they still around? Um, in some ways, they're always around. Okay, very good. Eleanor Rigby, that was the strings only. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK. Victor Davila. 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 Oh, <laughs> oh, I hate last names. I'm just going to call you Victor. Uh, Victor is an instructor out at UCF. Mm-hmm. He's a graphic designer and an illustrator. So we're just wrapping up the show with him right now. So we're going to do a little awesome. pop quiz. Pop quiz. Turning the tables on you as a professor, as a uh, teacher. So guess what the theme is for this week's pop quiz? The Beatles? No, it's okay. space. A lot space. of stuff happening in space. There is. As there <laughs> should <Often>. be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to start off on a high note, Stephen Hawking, famous mm-hmm. researcher, scientist, all, right. all around good guy. Uh, he's changed his timeline estimate of how long humans have to get off the planet. So originally it was a thousand years. He said, you know, based on everything that's happening, uh, we have about a thousand years. He changed it. What did he change it to? Did he say it's now a hundred years, B 250 years or C nine and a half weeks? <laughs> what did he say that we now have? humans have to get off the planet i'm gonna say 100 years that is correct yeah yeah climate change yeah. uh overdue asteroid strikes i think i actually epidemics heard that story before so yeah. i might have been a little bit cheating that's I, not cheating. That's studying that's, right that's studying that's literally the, what you're supposed okay. to be doing that okay, means you're good. keeping up to date <laughs> on what life is happening around uh sticking with space okay. california is looking to tax rocket launches so they launch out of Vandenberg Air Force Base right. out there on occasion, not as much as we do out here. So okay. Florida rules, California drools, as always. Uh, <laughs> how are they thinking of measuring, though, the launches for tax purposes? So is it A, rocket size and feet? Is it B, rocket trajectory and miles, so going up? Or is it C, rocket raccoons in smart allocate comebacks? I want to say B. The trajectory and miles, so the how trajectory, far yeah. That's correct, yeah. So yeah. it's a little bit like how they tax other things in terms of the miles, yeah. the distance. So, yeah, it'll be 62 miles up. They'll tax it the same every time. And the rocket companies are for it because they're like, yeah, 62 miles. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Don't tax okay. us in any other way. I do like the raccoon idea, though. Yeah, I think that are, could be feasible. Absolutely. Uh, European Space Agency astronaut Thomas Pesquet. I'm so good at last names. Last name. names, yeah. Yeah, he's up on the space station. Okay. Uh, right now, International Space Station. He did something that no human has ever done in space before. Didn't he run a marathon? What was it? <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting. I think somebody did, actually. Uh, so, did he space moonwalk? Oh. Did he binge all of Seinfeld, which caused everybody else to get really laggy in the stuff they were doing, like all their <laughs> experiments and stuff? Or did he vote in the French election? I want to say he voted in the French election. That's correct, yeah. So, he had a surrogate on Earth actually do his vote for okay. him. But uh, yeah, he was able to participate in the French election for the cookie. I thought he was, there was somebody that ran a marathon and what he did was like, in a, during the time, like the Boston Marathon or whatever started, he started on a treadmill. So oh my goodness. the first marathon in space. So that's why I thought you were going with it. No, no, I would never totally different encourage guy. people to do that because that's awful. <laughs> Running marathons or any length or distance is not, it's not good for you. No? Yeah. Especially in space. In space, well, you know, I think the no breathe- one can hear you run. 
There's nobody to cheer you on. I've ran a couple and it's the, the whole like mental aspect of it is that you have people cheering you on. Yeah. Otherwise you're kind of like done. It's like, yeah, I would imagine in the thing that has to hold you to the treadmill and has yeah. to hold you down chafes after a while. Yeah. I would is there chafing in space? Yeah, there's a lot of chafing in space. Okay. You have to, you know, oh, yeah, have to go to the, the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Oof. All right. Uh, did you hear a sonic boom Sunday morning? I did not. Okay. But I, I did hear that there was one. Yes. And so something landed at the space station, whether or not you heard mm -hmm. a sonic boom. What was it? Was it A, the Air Force's X-37B space plane? Was it B, one, uh, a Ryan Seacrest clone? Because what yeah. happens is they raise them in a weightless environment and then they send them to Earth every time he gets a new job. So he's now yeah. live with Kelly Ripa and they're talking about bringing uh, American Idol back. So they're just sending clones back of right. uh, Ryan Seacrest. Or was it the Cassini spacecraft, uh, which decided that instead of crashing into Saturn, it was going to come back to Earth and take over and, you know, never allows uh, satellites to crash into planets again. Start the whole overlord thing. Overlord thing, yeah. So uh, I'm going to go with A? Yeah, the X-37B yeah, X yeah. uh, space plane, which looks a little bit like a mini shuttle. Yeah, it looks a little condensed squad ear Yeah, it was very cute. Yeah. Uh, I'd been up there for 713 or 718 days. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so nobody knew it was up there because it was, uh, it was a secret, secret yeah. uh, from the Air Force. And so it was very cool, and it came back, and so they have a bunch of new data about, you know, staying up there for a while and being super secretive. And Where did it launch from? That sort of thing. I have no idea. From California, they probably got taxed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They may have gotten a little more tax. <laughs> so good job on that. No, I think the uh, government can launch tax-free. Okay. Yeah, I think that's one of the advantages uh, to being the government. Right. All they right. get the taxes. Yeah. You did very well. I, I thank you. I, I feel like I tried to study, but I really didn't. But I, I feel like I'm kind of I I read things, or you I do. listen to things, and the whole American Idol thing is it really trying to come back? Uh, yeah, they're talking about bringing it back on ABC. On ABC, right? I did hear yeah. about that. I feel like they should give the other guy because didn't Seacrest start with another dude in the earlier seasons? I have no idea. And he got kind of like bumped out or fired or whatever. And I feel like they should bring that guy back because we see enough of Seacrest. Right? I wonder if Seacrest. Uh, consumed him. Consumed him with right. one of his clones, yeah. Right, 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 yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. So maybe it's not that they clone him. Maybe he's got like a Venom from Spider-Man thing going on where it's sort of a... He engulfs. A, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. pods. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That's always good to yeah, think sure. about. Yeah. So <laughs> come on, robots, get on it. You got to save us from this stuff. All right, let's listen to one more song and then we'll come back and do uh, plugs. Plugs. And right. then we'll get out of here. And then that's it. And that's it. Okay, let's listen to some uh, Radiohead. Are you a fan of Radiohead? I, I saw them concert. I, okay. I do like Radiohead. So whatever your favorite album is, mm -hmm. have you had the experience yet? Your son's uh, just in his tweens. Mm -hmm. uh, have you had the experience yet where, you know, maybe they listen or he listens to it and you're like, oh, gosh, I wonder if he's going to like it. Like you're biting your nails. I did that with my son with OK Computer. He's like, well, what Radiohead song should I listen to? I'm like, you're listening to OK Computer. And he, he closed himself in his room and he listened to it. And I'm just out there pacing going, okay, <laughs> if he doesn't like this, I have to Brexit him. Like, he's out. Nix it. Um, I've, I'm kind of getting there. My son starts does listen to a lot of the stuff I, I like, or at least I play in the car. And he's familiar with, with the Beatles and the Foo Fighters and whatever. And he likes some things more than others. He does. He has listened to Radiohead in the past. Um, he has this uncanny ability, Lucas does, of being able to like listen to songs. Because he's, he's humming and singing in the back of the car. And I'm like, 
when did you ever hear the song that you've it's like oh i heard it once or twice and you can kind of sing along or kind of follow along with the beats and stuff like that so but so far he's making me proud with the the uh the amounts of things that he likes and the music that he likes there's there's nothing that i've i've really caused for concern yet nice um so i'm thinking i haven't introduced him to the full radiohead um okay computer album yet no, that's fine well that might not be your favorite one no so I, I i really i, I really yeah. do like it um but um but songs here and there but as opposed to the whole thing not yet i have um we have an alexa you know at home and we have played like you know like alexa please play dark side of the moon or something like that apologies if anybody's listening to this with an alexa in the background that all of a sudden turned on and started playing dark side of the moon just because i triggered her with the with the wake word but do you have one of those you know what i'm talking Uh, about yeah yeah, i know exactly i was just trying to think of something else we could have them play alexa play feet (laughs) that's all i could think of (laughs) all right so let's play some radio okay and this is lucky on wprk winter park florida you're listening to a certain degree Radiohead on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from possibly, arguably, not arguably, the greatest album of all time. No, I'm just kidding. It's OK Computer. <laughs> it was a very meaningful album to me yeah. at the time I heard it and everything else. So I think that's why I like it so Definitely much. Definitely in our generation like, yeah. of yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Our generation. Our, our gen, you know, Gen Xers. Yeah. No, yeah. we are. Yeah, we're we're full on Gen Xers. We're right at the tail end of Gen Xers, which is arguably the best name for generations. Because yeah, boomers and millennials, their name isn't as cool. Nope, no, we're the coolest. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Not sorry. Hashtag not sorry. Um, So I think we just lost cool points by saying (laughs) by referring to hashtags. (laughs) Not we. I I do. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm taking one for the team. All right. Thanks, (laughs) Victor Davila is here. Thank you very much again, Victor, for being here. My name is Nick. This is To a Certain Degree. Uh, we are done, pretty much. So it goes by, by fast. Really, really fast. It yeah. was a blast. So next week, I have Ryan Revis is going to be here from Borough Press. He's going to be talking about his experience publishing in the Orlando area, huh. writing. And so it's sort of a creative uh, May so far with yourself and Ryan. And then the week after, I have uh, we did a Fringe Festival show last week. And we'll have uh, Dandy Darkly here, who's a performer from the New York area. And he'll be here. He's doing Tampa French Festival and then Orlando French Festival. And his sort of uh, uh, alternate personality is sort of a demented clown. Oh, wow. So always good for radio to get a demented clown on. And he's going to be wearing... I'm hoping no. Okay. Uh, I don't know about being in a basement with somebody in full clown <laughs> garb. If I would have known, I would have prepped and... And done that too, okay, yeah. very good. So, Victor, we only have a couple of minutes. Let's sure. uh, just go through AIGA. AIGA Orlando, yeah. Really open to anybody in the creative community. Anybody can of, come out, yeah. But uh, really focuses more on the art, graphic art, illustration side of things, right? The the visual arts, um, even though we ha- are, have been getting some initiatives for copywriting in the last oh, few okay. months as well. Oh, that's good. Um, so we do have a little bit for everybody, I think. And if you have, if you want more information, um, you can go to orlando.aiga.org. We have every first Tuesday of the month, we have community meetings, which are free. We just gives you a rundown of what we have coming up in our programming. We usually take July off kind of, but otherwise we meet every first Tuesday of the month. And then the other program that we have, we're going to have, we're actually planning a panel to discuss the, um, the Orlando flag. Uh, um, so that should be coming up in June. So be on the lookout for that if you're interested in that. Great. 
Uh, another one is Creative Mornings, another great uh, opportunity to get out there and listen to creatives. And this is really anybody, whether you're a writer right. or anybody else. And if you think about it, even if you're an entrepreneur, even if you're a, a business person, uh, you still have a lot of creative that goes into what you do on a day-to-day basis. So these Absolutely. are really good creative talks. Uh, we've had some here at Rollins. Yeah. Um, and so you're involved with uh, that organization as I'm well. I'm on that team as well as Creative Mornings Orlando. If you want to f- find more information as well as past uh, videos of past speakers, it's creativemornings.com uh, and search for Orlando. But like you said, it's it's the kind of thing that it's it's not just like designers or artists uh, come to speakers. It's anybody who's really doing like creative thinking in what they do. We've had people who have been uh, come talk to us about creative uh, ways to fight, uh, you know, suicide prevention and things like that, mm-hmm. or uh, suicide prevention, not fight suicide prevention, um, or, or um, the, the guys from Limitless who are doing some creative things about, um, you know, like prosthetic arms. 3D for printing. 3D printing. With yeah. Print. Yeah. So it's creative thinking all the way around. So I, some of the most inspirational ones have been the ones that I, you know, I don't see coming. It's just kind of like their, their solutions to some of these kind of hard hitting um uh, challenges that are that we have and that's monthly that's, that's monthly it's free. usually the last friday of the month and, and we it's go completely around. free it's completely free you have to sign up just because depending on the venue uh, seating is limited yep. uh, so we ask you to sign up but we usually put it out like we announced it the monday before the friday that it's mm-hmm. going to happen and then obviously UCF, you're a professor out there. UCF is BFA, MFA, a student of UCF as well. Exactly. We have UCF is amazing. Um, we have the, the School of Visual Arts and Designs are, are doing, the students are doing amazing things. So whether they're the grad students that are currently housed over in downtown or we have a gallery of shows that brings in a lot of great artists. Mm-hmm. So I, I, uh, um, I suggest everybody go out and check them out as well. And then Giant Illustrators, you mentioned as well when we were conversing yeah. about what you wanted to talk about a little bit. Giant Illustrators is this collective that I that I started back in 07. So we're 10 years old now. It's just a, a monthly uh, meeting. Uh, it's a meetup, really, of illustrators, uh, eclectic bunch. So we have like animators and, and, um, and designers, but comic book artists, things like that, mm-hmm. that just meet once a month to, to, uh, to commiserate, to share tips and ideas, um, to just talk about what we're doing to share what we're doing and, and, um, you know, and get out there and network. Very good. Anything else you want to wrap it up? One word of wisdom. What's the word of the week? Um, calibrate. Awesome. Yeah, no, that was good. (laughs) I like putting you on the spot because that was a really good, I don't know what I came from. This is a week to calibrate. This is a week to get your feet under you and figure out, okay, what's next and how are you getting in that direction? Absolutely. My backup board was donuts. But I don't think that was nearly as, as, as informative. I don't know, man. That's a lot easier. <laughs> That's a lot easier to accomplish because there's a lot of good donut places around right? here. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now right. I want a donut. Now I'm starving. Yeah. All right. Thanks for that, Victor. Thank you. All right. Uh, you've been listening to A Certain Degree. I'll be back next week. Victor will be out there in the world uh, and we'll have some links up to his stuff on the website. Absolutely. So go to a com. And thank you very much. You're listening to WPRK. Winter Park, Florida. Thank you. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. If you'd like to learn more about Victor, visit victordavila.com. V-I-C-T-O-R-D-A-V-I-L-A.com. There you will find his portfolio, links to his social media, and anything else you may need. This episode was brought to you by a certified bad business idea called Time Bomb. Medications are easy to forget unless you put them in your pants. Literally, they are your pants. 
Time Balm provides your prescription in a specially designed line of clothes that gets absorbed through osmosis. You can get your meds in a number of different styles. Want to wear your heart medication on your sleeve? Get a blood thinner blouse. Don't like getting shots? How about a flu shoe? It would have the medication, not the actual flu. Order at toacertaindegree.com. Thank you.